Hello, my name is Mike, and I am the youth pastor here at Jericho Ridge, and I get the privilege of speaking to you in your own living rooms. And we are kicking off a new series in the book of Jonah this week. Now, Jonah is one of the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament, and he's actually quite unique to them. Most of the prophets' books are collections of oracles or sermons, often poetic in nature, that speak out the message of God that God has given them to say to the people. Jonah, instead, is actually a story of adventure, his own adventure. And the book of Jonah uses this story to get across his prophetic message to the people and to us. And so since it is a story, we're going to jump right into it by looking at Jonah 1. And I've rewritten the story in a way that heightens the senses a bit. And I'm going to lead you through a time of focusing and tell you the story. And as you listen, I want you to imagine yourself in the scene and pay attention to the things that stand out to you. They could be words someone says, an image that you see, perhaps a sound or a scent or a taste or a feeling, whether physical or emotional, that stands out to you as the story is being told. And I want you to keep those things in mind. And at the end, I'm going to get you to write it down in a notebook or a piece of paper that you have nearby uh, and write out that thing that stands out to you. And then I'll help you... uh, give you some reflection questions to use this afternoon or later in the week. So first, I'm going to get you to make sure you are comfortable on your couch or on the floor or wherever you are. Just get in a nice, comfortable position. Close your eyes and take some deep breaths and just open yourself to listen. Quiet down those distractions or those voices you might be hearing in your head. Just let them go by and just get yourself in a position and a state of mind in which you can really pay attention to the story. And as I tell this story, there will be some silent pauses. Don't worry. It doesn't mean your video is muted or anything like that. Those are intentional to help you focus in the story. So let's get comfortable, close our eyes, and spend some moments quieting ourselves before we start the story. One day, God came and spoke to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and tell them they've been wicked and done evil in my eyes. But Jonah ran the opposite direction. He headed to the city of Joppa and hired a ship that was headed to Tarshish, a city across the Mediterranean Sea. He climbed aboard and tried to flee from God. God sent a great storm upon the sea. Lightning flashed in the air. Thunder boomed around them. Powerful wind threw ropes wildly through the air. Waves reached over and crashed across the ship, soaking the crew and filling their mouths with the taste of seawater. The sailors were scared 
and each began crying out prayers to their own gods. They began picking up large crates and barrels of goods they were transporting, and with great effort, heaving it overboard to lighten the ship. Jonah had gone below deck, concealing himself among the crates and barrels of cargo, and was fast asleep, snoring and unaware of the chaos above. The captain came down to get more cargo to throw overboard when there he saw Jonah sleeping like a baby. The captain went over to him and shook him awake and said, how can you sleep? Get up and pray to your God that he may notice us and save us from dying. In the midst of the rain and the wind, the lightning and the thunder, the sailors called to each other, let us cast lots to find out who has caused this great storm to threaten us. They gathered bits of wood and wrote everyone's name on it. They placed the wood in a bucket and shook it until one of the wooden bits came out of the bucket and clattered onto the soaking wet deck. They scrambled to pick it up, and the name on it was Jonah. The sailors surrounded Jonah and peppered him with questions. Why has this awful storm come down on us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And Jonah answered them, I am a Hebrew, and I worship Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Knowing that Jonah had boarded their ship fleeing from something, they fearfully asked, what have you done? How could you run from someone of such great power? What should we do to stop the storm? Jonah looked at the crashing waves that tossed the ship back and forth. He heard the cracking thunder, saw the flashing lightning, and he tasted the salty water splashing in his face. Pick me up and throw me overboard, he told them. It is my fault that this has happened. Throw me overboard and the sea will be calm. The sailors didn't want to be responsible for Jonah's death, and so they began to try and row to shore. Their arms strained, pulling at the oars, and began to ache, but they made no progress towards the shore. Finally, they gave up, and feeling like they had no other choice, they grabbed Jonah and threw him into the sea. As Jonah sunk into the waters, the storm immediately stopped, and the seas grew calm. The sailors were awestruck by God's great power, and they offered a sacrifice to him and vowed to serve him. What I want you to do now is write down somewhere the thing that stood out to you. Write down those words or that image, that scent, that taste, that feeling, that emotion, anything that stood out to you in that story. And then this afternoon or this week, I want you to spend some time meditating upon those words or that sense or that emotion 
And as you meditate upon those and bring them before God, ask him two questions. First, God, what are you telling me by having this thing stand out? And second, what are you calling me to do? But now that we've placed ourselves in the world of Jonah in chapter 1, let's talk about it. Jonah is called by God to get up and go to Nineveh, a major city in the nation of Assyria, and preach against them. Tell them that they have done evil in the eyes of the Lord. And Jonah does get up and go, but he goes in the opposite direction, to Tarshish, about as far as he can go. Some scholars believe that Tarshish was in Spain along the coastline, the opposite side of the Mediterranean Sea. Jonah has a deep hatred for the Assyrians and doesn't want to go and give them this message. And the background of this hatred is addressed a little bit more later in the book, and so I don't want to steal anyone else's thunder, but we're going to leave it at the point where Jonah just really hates the Assyrians. Now, Jonah's actions in running as far away as possible shows what he was wishfully thinking about God. Jonah wanted God to be for Israel and Israel for God, and that was it. The only interaction he wanted God to have with the other nations was to judge them as wicked and then destroy them for the benefit of Israel. And Jonah is again unique in his calling in that other prophets had preached judgment against other nations. But they always preached that judgment to the audience of Israel. And so as they preached how Assyria was going to fall or Edom was going to fall or any of these other nations around them were going to fall to the people of Israel, Israel was saying yes and amen. That's what they wanted as well. But Jonah's unique in that he's actually called not to preach to Israel about these other nations, but to go to the nation itself and preach these words to them. And Jonah didn't want to go. And so he runs away from God, and he leaves Israel's borders hoping that God's call on him cannot follow him outside of God's land of Israel, out of God's people of Israel. But Jonah's wishful thinking about limiting God's uh, rule is quickly proven just that, wishful thinking. God sends a great storm upon the sea. And the sea throughout ancient cultures is consistently a symbol of chaos. You cannot control the sea. You cannot tell the sea to be calm so you can sail on it. The sea doesn't wait for you. You have to wait for the sea. Only the most powerful of gods can control the chaos of the sea. And here we see that God's showing Jonah that his rule and his control is not just bound to the borders of Israel. And Jonah surely knew this in his head. He would have read Psalms like Psalm 139, 7 to 11. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, 
If I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. So Jonah knew that God's rule didn't have those borders in his mind, but now he fully experiences it out of the sea. And he fully experiences that he cannot go anywhere where God is not ultimately king. And then here we see a clever literary device by the book. The story then compares Jonah with the sailors on the ship. Jonah goes on the ship and then he further tries to distance himself from God by going underneath the deck and concealing himself down there. And then he further tries to escape from his situation by sleeping. Something that I'm sure many of our students do to escape from studying for final exams. And the sailors, in comparison, are above deck. They're terrified of the storm that has come upon them. And instead of hiding from their gods, they run to their gods and pray for help. Jonah hides from his god. The sailors on top go to their gods. And each sailor prays to their own god. And this suggests that the sailors are a collection of people from different nations, each with their own god. Jonah, the prophet of the god of Israel, runs and hides from his god because he doesn't want his god to reach out to those faithless, pagan, wicked nations. While those faithless nations are above deck praying out to their gods for help. And God shows both the great potential of faithfulness for those who don't follow him can have in these faithful, faithless nations praying to their gods, which is something that Jonah had doubted and why he didn't want to go to Assyria. And also shows that the need for the faith to be directed towards him. And he shows this to the sailors, and the sailors pray out to their gods, and yet they can't stop the storm. Only God can do that. And then we see the second comparison. Jonah goes to sleep in the middle of this crisis. The sailors are up top, throwing cargo overboard in hopes of lightening the ship to make sure it stays above the crashing waves. They move forward to address this crisis and try to save the lives of themselves and their crew. And the captain eventually makes his way down below to find more cargo, and there he finds Jonah sleeping. And the captain gives him a wake-up call, both physically and in a spiritual sense. As he wakes him up, he uses words very similar to the words that God first used with Jonah. God says to Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh. This uh, captain wakes up Jonah, shaking him, and says, get up and go to your God in prayer to help us. The sailors decide to cast lots to determine whose fault the storm is because they recognize that this is a work of a God, they just don't know which one, and that it's due uh, as punishment for someone's wickedness. Uh, and again, they don't know whose wickedness that is. 
And so casting lots is a lot like drawing a name from a hat. It's this game of chance. And they often do these game of chance, whether it's casting lots, drawing a name out of a hat, uh, rolling dice, because they believe that by leaving it up to chance, it lets the gods determine the result and thus able to reveal their will. And Jonah's name comes up as the one who is to blame. And so they ask him who he is. And Jonah ends up preaching about God to these foreigners. What he was originally called to do in Nineveh, he ends up doing on the ship. I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. See, not just the God of the land or the God of the sea, but the God of it all. He's come to the realization that God's rule isn't bound to Israel, but stretches beyond those borders to everything. And this message terrifies the crew. How could Jonah defy such a powerful God who rules over so much? Jonah tells them that to save their lives, they need to throw them overboard. When they do, the sea will calm, and they can continue on their way in safety. But the sailors try everything to keep Jonah alive. They throw more cargo overboard, surely costing them all the money that they would have made by delivering these goods. And then they also try to row themselves back to shore further putting their lives at risk by staying in this storm longer. The foreigners who worship false gods care for the life of this foreigner who is disobedient to their god and got them into the mess in the first place. And so we see another comparison between the two. Jonah hates the foreigners he's called to go to and refuses to share that message. He doesn't care for them while this collection of foreigners on a ship do everything they can to care for Jonah and not harm him. Even though it was his fault that they were in this mess in the first place. But the efforts that they go to are to no avail. And so they pray to Jonah's God for forgiveness before throwing him overboard. And as Jonah hits the water, the storm calms, and the sailors are saved. And they bow down to Jonah's God and pledge their allegiance to him right then and there. The foreigners have come and bowed down to God's rule, showing that it definitely extends beyond the borders of Israel. They recognize the truth of Jonah's earlier words that God rules over the land and the sea. And they are awestruck at how a God could rise up such a great storm and then immediately calm the storm. How he had such control over that chaos. And that led them into worship of him. Jonah brings up questions about our own view of God's rule. What limits do we put on that? 
Since we are all right now stuck inside self-isolating and quarantining, does that mean that that world that's outside of our windows is no longer under God's rule? Is God's rule on pause during this time? And does that mean that God's calling to us through Jesus in the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all peoples and teach them to obey all that Jesus has taught? Go on, pause as we conceal ourselves below our roofs. Now, I admit that Jonah has brought up some convictions within me. I am quite the introvert, and so I admit I don't really know my neighbors very well. I will give them maybe a head nod as I'm walking to my door and they're sitting out front, front of theirs, or if I'm feeling particularly sociable, I'll say hello and how are you. But often... More often, I would say, my thoughts about them aren't particularly kind. See, we live in a carriage house above a garage, and it's in an alleyway of a bunch of carriage houses above garages, and there's about maybe 10 feet across from each other. And our windows facing this alleyway is our bedroom windows, and our neighbors across the street, their window facing the alleyway is their living room, which is not a great combination. But I can tell you that they like watching movies because their window is always open and I can hear them. Right now they're watching Harry Potter. Last night or Thursday night they watched uh, Order of the Phoenix because I could hear the lines. And our alleyway is concrete and vinyl siding and so the sound bounces and amplifies everywhere. And sometimes they like watching movies late into the night. And sometimes when my window is closed, I could still hear the lines of the movie. And tired, grumpy Mike at 1 a.m. thinks many unkind thoughts about my neighbors. Surely God's calling doesn't refer to them. They must be godless, faithless people to do such a thing to me. And then I read Jonah. And I don't really like Jonah, the guy. He's not really a good guy. And when I read him and see my thoughts about my neighbor reflected in his hatred for the Assyrians, I stand convicted. And I have to go and ask for forgiveness from God for my attitudes and my failure to see my, his, his love and his compassion for them. And I feel called to maybe go drop off some cookies at their doorstep. Because despite my negative thoughts about my neighbor, I am still called to get up and go like Jonah was called to do, and make disciples of all people, no matter how inconsiderate I might think them to be. And that is a calling given to every one of us. If you are a follower of Christ, you have the general calling from God. You have been told by God to go and make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the general call given to all Christians. And then linked to that, we are given a more specific call, unique to how God has gifted us to be. And this specific call often links into that general call. Jesus' disciples were called to follow him. 
And so sometimes this call is given to us and we can react to it right away. Jesus comes up to the disciples and literally says, follow me. And immediately they get up and follow the call. Once I had felt and heard the call to preach and teach God's word, I immediately sought out opportunities to do so, leading Bible studies with my friends at school, trying to teach uh, in youth groups and in small groups. But sometimes that calling takes a little longer for us to be able to follow. Like Rose, who's preaching in a couple of weeks, she felt the call to preach, but it was years and years and years before she was able to actually step out and follow that call. Sometimes we just need to step out and try different things to find out what that calling is. I think of Evan Beyer, who has faithfully served so many years at Camp Kakwa, first as work crew and then leader in training and then assistant counselor and then as a head counselor. And then he further stepped out in faith, trying to pursue what his calling might be by going to Cape and Ray for a year and doing discipleship school. And then again, going another year to help work at the maintenance on campus. And he continues to step out in faith, trying out different things to see what clicks as God's calling on his life. And sometimes we just need to try some things to figure out our gifts and figure out what that calling is. It's about discovering what God has gifted us with and asking, how does he want me to use those gifts? And then under those specific callings, we might get even more specific into something of a shorter-term calling or a situational calling. And that could lead into that uh, longer-term calling and in turn leads into the general calling we all get. My call to feel, uh, the call that I feel in this situation to drop off cookies at my neighbor that can set up a conversation or the beginning of a relationship in which I can teach them about Jesus, linking into that call to preach and teach that I feel, which links into making disciples as a general call. It could be the calling to be generous with what you have and help out a person with groceries who is struggling to make ends meet in the midst of this pandemic, showing them God's generosity through acting upon the call that he's placed you in in this situation. What are you being called to do during this pandemic? What is God calling you to do? What is God calling us to do? Maybe it's a short-term call to sign up on the app to help out with community care teams. There you can write in what you feel God's calling you to for this neighborhood, and we as a church can jump in and help and walk alongside you as you follow that calling. Maybe you're being called to check in on a neighbor you hear coughing next door and stand a safe distance of two meters away and ask if they need groceries you can pick up. Spend time with God and listen for those nudges and promptings of callings. Whether the short-term calls that can lead into those longer calls or the calls to step into something long-term, may take us time to be able to step into those things. But one thing we do learn from Jonah is that to be faithful to God's calling on our lives, the thing that we can't do is run away from it. What is God 
calling us to do during this time.